0: Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, we've got another packed
1: program today. We do. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. I had a question on air over the weekend. Who was my pick? I said I thought that Kansas City would win it by 10. I think that uh, young quarterback out of uh, Texas Tech is just lighting the place up. So that was my prediction as we record before the game. A little bit too bold of a prediction, I suspect, but uh, I don't mind putting it on the line here. But the great show that we've got lined up today, Rod Montoya is a longtime friend. We had the witness vote. Now we got the acquittal vote and the impeachment. The Iowa caucuses... Are Are going to be held before this program airs. Those are Monday. So, a lot, lot going on. Great show planned for today.
0: All right. I have a couple of questions. First off, kind of tongue in cheek, but are we taking bets on whether the Democrats will do another impeachment before the election or they'll wait till after the president wins again?
1: I think they'll probably do one each time. They started the first impeachment inquiry even before the president was sworn in. They had a motion by Al Green out of Texas very soon after he was sworn in. They just kept looking for something to stick. It's obvious that they could not prove their case here. White House counsel Pat Cipollone just destroyed the Democrats absurd argument in a very simple way. He simply said the Democrats say our case is overwhelming. But then he points out that they also say, but we need more evidence, more witnesses. The Republicans finally said, look, even if you prove that the president is guilty of what you say he is, and they're not really commenting on that, but they say even if you prove it 100%, with all the witnesses in the world, it still does not rise to the level of an impeachable offense, so we are not going to pursue this any further. So that witness vote that is causing such mock horror in the fake news is really just the people are fed up with the game of impeachment and it is time to move on. The polls are showing they're ready for it to move on. They're showing that they don't want the president to be removed from office by impeachment. They think that the right avenue to go is the election. And so that's what's going to occur. But uh, big news in the impeachment last week. And then, of course, the State of the Union is going to be held before this program airs. That's Tuesday. As we record on Sunday, it is Tuesday. And then the acquittal vote then will be held on wednesday afternoon at four o'clock eastern time the senators already know how they're going to vote and i absolutely believe that a couple of the democrats are going to have to vote to acquit the president because there was no case ever made they're in districts are in states where they could be punished pretty severely already there is a movement in utah to have a recall on Mitt Romney, the legislature is considering a, a bill that would do that. So Mitt Romney and his leadership against the president is finding out that uh, that what he thought was just good old bipartisanship actually was a very obtuse move. And so the voters talking about uh, bringing him back home and replacing him with somebody that's a little bit uh, more in tune to the day.
0: I'd like to ask you this. The House, in their impeachment hearing, was calling witnesses. They wouldn't let the Republicans call any witnesses, but they called all the witnesses they wanted, and then they ended their hearing. Now, all of a sudden, they're wanting the Senate to call witnesses. Why didn't the House continue their hearing and call the witnesses that they're now asking the Senate to call?
1: Well, this is just uh, the mismanagement by Adam Schiff. He was the manager of the uh, uh, impeachment inquiry in the House. And keep in mind, the Democrats called 17 witnesses and allowed the Republicans to call zero. So 17 to zero. They've already had an overwhelming list of Democrat Witnesses, and so this whole charade that we need more witnesses was simply to uh, stall the thing out. I will tell you, I just think that there is an element of trying to keep Bernie Sanders off the campaign trail. Dick Morris had a, a tremendous article in the Western Journal this week where he talks about that Bernie Sanders is now in a movement. It's different than just an election. In an election, you are reasoning with people, but in a movement, it's like the tide of an ocean, and as it raises, then it will raise votes right with it. This tide that is raising Sanders in the polls is starting to alarm the insiders of the Democrat National Committee, and so they're trying to do anything in order to derail him, because as Dick Morris points out in his op-ed, that there's no way he can beat Trump. You're talking about an avowed socialist running against a guy with the best economy in, you know, in uh, 50 or 60 years. There's so Democrats just, that
0: won't vote for, for Bernie because of that, too. And, uh, but I am honored that I'm in the same company as Dick Morris. You remember on last week's program right here, I asked you that very question. Could Nancy Pelosi have held up the articles of impeachment to the Senate because she wanted to make sure that those senators were in the Senate during the Iowa caucus? And we never know, but remember, I asked you that last week, and maybe Dick Morris was listening to us.
1: It could be, and uh, but uh, you were right on point when you asked that question. This is bringing up a very interesting and difficult circumstance for the Democrats. You remember the last time Bernie just plain got cheated at convention? They had the superdelegates in 2016, which in part of a, a negotiated agreement with Bernie Sanders, the Democrat National Committee chose to suspend and never use those superdelegates again. So now then they're trying to scramble because they don't have that mechanism, but the The party in cheating Sanders out of it last time has put itself in very difficult circumstance this time if they try to get rid of him again. We've had clips... From some of the most radical people in the nation talking about if Trump wins again, it's time to burn and time for people to die or whatever it was. They're very radical. They're working on Bernie Sanders' campaign and the Democrat Party realizes that if they cheat him again, that anger is going to be turned at Democrats, not Republicans.
0: Here's an audio clip from Project Veritas with a Bernie Sanders field organizer.
2: If Bernie Bernie was to lose, I would like to see Yellow vest protests like here, stateside. I'm already on Twitter following numerous groups around the country that are ready to organize Yellow vest okay. protests. I mean, I'm ready. Let me know. I'm ready to start tearing bricks up and start fighting. Good. I'm not. I'm no, no cop, bro. I'm, I'll start up, I'll start up, get arms. I want to learn how to shoot and go train. I'm ready for the solution, bro. I'm telling you. Good stuff. Guillotine the rich. Hell yeah.
1: So when it was disclosed, just this week that Bloomberg was able through a $325,000 donation to the party just before he announced his candidacy Ryan Grimm points this out on Twitter this week that Bloomberg's contribution caused them to change the rules on debate attendance and so you have legitimate candidates who have been going around to different places in the country who are running for president on the Democrat party they got eliminated from the debates because they never reached a threshold of, of public acceptance and Yet because former Mayor Bloomberg from New York contributed this three hundred and twenty five thousand. Now the rules seem to have changed and he's going to be allowed on stage. And so the Democrats in their outright hostility to billionaires, it looks like that they're gonna try to use a billionaire as the surrogate for Sanders. And Sanders is going to have none of it. He's already said billionaires are not going to be allowed to buy their way into this. So the Democrat Party is facing tremendous inner turmoil right now. So we'll watch that play out. But uh, again, been a good week for President Trump with the vote on the witnesses and uh, wrapping this thing up and then moving to the acquittal on Wednesday of this week. So great news all around for the nation that this will finally be behind us. Great segment. And in the next segment, of course, we're looking to talk to rod montoya state representative from san juan county farmington new mexico
0: we'll be right back on inside new mexico
1: Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to
0: Inside New Mexico. We're talking with our chairman of the Republican Party, Steve Pearson. Steve, I understand we have a guest on the phone.
1: Well, Derek, we're joined today by... One of our great state representatives, a longtime friend of mine from the Farmington area, knows the oil and gas industry very well, the energy industry overall, is very knowledgeable, and has just been a stalwart in the state legislature, Rod Montoya. Rod, welcome to the show, and tell our listeners just a little bit about your background, what got you into politics, and what you hope to do while you're in office.
2: Uh, Terrific. Uh, Congressman, thanks for having me uh, today. I'm a 32-year coal miner. That's not normally a path to uh, becoming a legislator. Six years ago, I was elected to replace the former Republican House leader, Tom Taylor, in House District 1. And uh, two years after I was elected, I stepped up in the leadership as the House Republican Whip, and this is my fourth year serving as Whip.
1: You and Minority Leader Jim Townsend just put out an, an op-ed about the spending of the state. That was on January 30th in the Santa Fe, New Mexican. So tell us just a little bit about that op-ed and what point you all were driving.
2: Well, we're on a spending spree right now. Thanks to the Republican Party and the House and the Senate and Susanna Martinez, we actually held spending very tight. And then at the end of her term, and Democrats coming in, and Michelle Lujan Grisham, with the surplus that just hit as she came into office, they had all this pent-up, progressive, not just in spending, but across the board, latent desires to spend and change the state. And it just came in like a flood last year. And we raised the budget year-over-year year spending by 12.5% last year. And what's going on right now is we're, we're trying to argue that another 8% spending That puts us over 20% in two years, year over year. That's that's raising our budget by an entire fifth in two years, and that is just not sustainable. So the op-ed that we wrote was about the fact that we are going to come in with our own Budget That has reasonable, believable spending that folks know in the future we're not going to be forced to, like we did three years ago, we were going after school budgets and any dollars that were left, and we were swiping them back because we couldn't afford the budget we had. Now we're 20% deeper in the hole every year, and what happens this next time that oil and gas drops? The budget right now is, depending on who you listen to, we're we're reliant to about 45 to 47% of our budget comes from oil and gas. And, you know, Steve, you know the oil and gas industry better than I do. You know these peaks are followed by cliffs, (laughs) and that's a huge concern. So that's what our uh, op-ed was about, was uh, we can't afford the spinning spree that we're on.
1: Well, thank you for being those voices. So you have a, a lawsuit that you have taken the lead on. Tell us about that energy lawsuit.
2: As you know, the Energy Transition Act took place last year, which basically is is New Mexico's Green New Deal. Most folks in New Mexico don't realize that what Ocasio-Cortez and Democrats have been pushing at the national level and has gotten a lot of media and the, the fact that the majority of Americans see that as outrageous, we passed that last year in New Mexico, a version of that. And so the lawsuit is basically we were trying to make sure that the voice was heard, that the PRC, which in the past I've not been in agreement with, that right now they one of their charges is to make sure that the ratepayers don't get taken advantage of, and that's what the uh, ETA does, the Energy Transition Act, is it basically guarantees that any uh, new infrastructure that p decides, and really it's decided at this point, to implement to get to 100% renewable by 2045, There are no ratepayer protections in that law whatsoever. If they have to do something to eventually get to 100% renewable, the PRC has to rubber stamp it without any concern for the ratepayer.
1: Well, that is incredible.
2: Just last week, the Supreme Court weighed in and said that uh, the four members of the Supreme Court that I believe are up for election, Democrats, went ahead and said, yes, PRC, you don't have a choice. You have to go ahead and implement that without any ratepayer protections. And and I'm sure it's due to campaign contributions and other things that they will receive from the Democrat Party. If If they didn't go along with this, they were set to not be supported by their own party. This was completely political. They had previously had a a similar request in front of them that wasn't from the governor, but it was by PNM. And they basically, at that time, had said that the PRC has autonomy and they have their constitutional duties to do what they're supposed to do without interference from the other two branches. And they reversed themselves, and these four... Democrat uh, Supreme Court justices voted differently. And now, within two or three years, uh, ratepayers in the Albuquerque and Santa Fe area, they're going to see their rates start to jump dramatically, as they did in California.
1: Wow. This just keeps going on and on. Before we finish the show today, I want you to tell the people just a little bit about your taxpayer bill of rights, because that just fits seamlessly with everything you've been talking about, with your op-ed on spending, with the idea that this energy lawsuit is going to drive up utility rates or electricity rates to your average man and woman out here in New Mexico. And so you have this taxpayer bill of rights there. Explain what that's about and, and, again, what the thinking on it is.
2: Well, as it's known in TABOR, which is a taxpayer bill of rights, it's not an original idea of mine. But as you know, Steve, anybody who serves in uh, a legislature locally or nationally, you try and steal the best ideas that are out there. So we looked at what Colorado does and what they've done to protect their taxpayers there in Colorado. And we've looked at our situation and tailored a little bit to our situation. We don't want to be in a position going forward where we're stealing money from the schools again. Last year, we were even taken to court in the uh, Martinez-Yazi lawsuit and the court to deem that we were not spending enough on at-risk children in New Mexico in the schools. So our taxpayer bill of rights is twofold. Like Colorado, it has a mechanism that says that if above what would be the inflation rate, if we had a surplus of any sort, return it to New Mexico residents who are here legally. That is a little different from Colorado. Colorado's is back to the taxpayer. But we know that the majority of our surpluses come from oil and gas reserves. And since the reserves belong to the state of New Mexico, therefore belong to the resident, it would go back to legal residents here in New Mexico. And that would be 50% of the surplus. The other 50% would go into a fund that would be a protection fund to make sure that the next time uh, prices on oil dropped, that we'd have money there to cover our obligations with all of our schools and rather than having to go to the schools and stealing money that we've already allocated to them. That fund would have a mechanism where, if there was an emergency, where we could pull some money out of there to shore up other things. But the big big thing was to make sure that we would be able to keep school districts whole. So in general, this is all about making sure that, first off, that the dollars are respected, that the dollars we realize in this legislation are the dollars of New Mexico taxpayers, not... The government, and unfortunately, the the attitude that's in Santa Fe right now is that all money that is collected, even if it's a huge surplus, even if we've collected too much, that it belongs to the government to spend, and that is just a philosophical difference, and that's why I'm that's why I introduced that legislation.
1: We've had a tremendous opportunity to visit with one of the leading stars in the Republican Party, Representative Rod Montoya from Farmington, New Mexico. Thanks, Rod, for being on the show. We look forward to watching more of your actions in the legislature. Keep up the great fight and uh, never give up.
2: Thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it.
0: Coming up, we'll play Guess the State. And unfortunately, it's not good. Coming up on Inside New Mexico.
2: National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit ESGR.mil employers to learn more.
0: Welcome back to Inside New Mexico. I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, I understand we've got another Joe Biden scandal to talk about this week.
1: We do. This time it's his daughter, Ashley Biden. Her organization received a $166,000 federal grant while her dad was vice president. This was a an article in the Sons of Liberty Media on January 30th. Dean Garrison was the writer. If you haven't looked at the Sons of Liberty, I tell you, a lot of times I'm hesitant to put their things in here because you see it nowhere else in the public, and yet they have things that later prove out to be exactly correct, and so we draw people to this, to this article where it uh, not only Joe's brother Frank and James who walked into situations that were almost exactly like Hunter's cushy Ukraine deal where he's making anywhere from 50 to 80,000 a month and not doing anything And so now that it turns out that his daughter, Ashley, is under scrutiny for the same thing, this Delaware nonprofit organization received this federal grant at a time when Vice President Biden's daughter was the executive director in uh, September of 2014. They got a two-year grant. Immediately, his daughter, who had been just an associate, was moved up into her position into executive director. Just two months after that grant was received and Joe Biden was one of the top advocates for that grant program in the Senate, he helped steer $1.7 billion into the program as vice president. And so we always know that these sweetheart deals have been going on, but nobody's been willing to call them. Since President Trump began to draw attention to these abuses, then more and more is coming out. There was an interesting article, Derek, that came out just this last week, January, the 28th, and uh, it's in the American Thinker. Charles Sullivan wrote about Guess the State, and then it's colon Guess the State, the Democrat run fiasco edition it points out the last time republicans held a majority in this state which is still unnamed in the article the last time republicans held a majority in the state supreme court was in the 1920s and the court of appeals has never had a republican majority we intend to turn that around this time we've got two candidates for the court of appeals we've got two candidates for the two openings in the supreme court and i think that democrats are alarmed at where their team is taking it but he goes on to point out that just the great deficiencies in our education system, the failure in our economy, the functional illiterates that we're graduating and trying to put into jobs. He covers the crime as as one of the most dangerous places to live. And then finally that uh, our young are having to leave the state to find a place to work. And then he names the state it's of course, as you would guess, New Mexico. So these are people outside the state who are evaluating this current regime, Michelle Lujan Grisham's tenure as governor, and they're rating the state very low as well. It deserves to be rated. Again, that's the reason I think that we're going to change the state to red in this election, because Democrats, Republicans, and independents are fed up with being at the bottom, and they see hope from a president that is building this country back. they believe Believe that Republican values will build back the state of New Mexico. There was an interesting article that came out in Politico just this last week, also. It was January 30th the article that talked about the life expectancy in the U.S. has increased for the first time in four years, and it's driven largely by drop in cancer-related deaths. But also, it is the first time in 30 years that fatal drug overdose has dropped. So you had a 30-year increasing tendency, and under President Trump, who has made the opioid crisis just a, a key issue of his presidency, now we're finding that drug overdose fatalities are decreasing for the first time in 30 years.
0: Candace Owen had an interesting interview. Tell us about that.
1: If our listeners haven't really paid attention to Prager University, uh, P-R-A-G-E-R, I would urge you to go online and to watch. But this issue that she came out with, she does an interview. It's a TV interview that she conducts with Tim Ballard this week. His point is that slavery is alive and well today. So we get a lot of comment from the left about human rights and abuses, but yet they're remaining totally silent on this, this fact that, that the slavery market is alive and well. And so Tim Ballard is, is a part of a group. He's the founder and special agent of the Operation Underground Railroad and they go and try to rescue kids. These are kids six, seven years old who are being sold into sexual slavery, and he describes the conditions that he sees when he goes in to intervene. He was working for the government, but he kept having the laws would stand in his way. He was not allowed to do anything to rescue these kids out of unthinkable circumstances where they're being used as sex objects by people here in this country and around the world, and so they formed this Operation Underground Railroad just last year, they rescued over a 1,000 kids, and in this interview, he talks in depth about the problem. Candace Owens is one of the stars that is rising up in the nation and speaking, uh, just a good conservative voice out there in the community. But I urge our listeners to go on and to PragerU and listen to that uh, January 30th show, because you're going to be shocked at how big the trafficking market is in the U.S. for children to be put into sexual slavery. So don't be part of the group who just ignore what's going on. Derek, uh, I want to work in one more thing. The Babylon Bee is a small online journal. It's Christian satire, one of the greatest political weapons. And the left knows this well. The Marxists use it to great effect, and that is ridicule. Ridicule and humor are very powerful. And so this Christian site, it's called Babylon B has begun to poke satire at the left. And it's kind of the first. We as Christians, we as conservatives, we as Republicans, very rarely get into this sort of of really this genre in ways that we communicate. And so CNN is calling them out saying that people don't know if it's true or not. I'm sorry, but they're the ones that said, yes, they make up news. And you remember they had that one woman journalists who left and said they knew that the Russia hoax was a hoax and yet they continue to push it as real news and yet they're the ones complaining the loudest about the Babylon Bee. So again, I'm glad to see Republicans, conservatives and the Christian community begin to use the political weapons that we can. Now they take on Trump too, so it's not just totally a pro-Trump website. This is people who are pointing out the lunacy of the left. So take a look at the Babylon Bee if you get a chance.
0: Sounds interesting. And uh, you know who's giving us the courage to start fighting back like that is Donald Trump himself.
1: Donald Trump. We see him weathering all sorts of storms. We see him never folding under the pressure. And we say in our own small group, we can do the same thing. So stand up, conservatives, stand up and speak.
0: Thank you, Steve Pierce. And if you are listening to us today and want to get more involved in the Republican Party, they have a website. It's www.gop nm.org. You can get the latest news, upcoming events, information about our elected officials, voter resources, and all kinds of important and useful information about the party and its mission. You can also find nominating petitions for the judicial candidates of the Republican Party on the homepage. Follow the instructions on how to sign and then return them. You can also listen to previous editions of this program on podcasts from the website. The Republican Party also has a Facebook page. Check out what's going on on the party's Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. And the Republican Party is always looking for volunteers to help win New Mexico for President Trump and to turn the roundhouse red. You can call the party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 298-3662. I will look forward to visiting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.